Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orrin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Welcome to episode 47 of From the Den, where, wow, we have so much to talk about. And I mean so much. I mean, the whole landscape of the NFL has changed the past few days. What a great time to do a podcast. I've been waiting to do this podcast. Wait, what just a quick great... little sound check, Oren. Is it, I'm just holding the mic in my hand right now. Is that okay? Like, I yeah. have to figure out how I want to do this. Okay, okay. Yeah. I might. We'll see. Just let me know if the audio sounds weird. But uh, okay, okay. NFL, man, has great been time. crazy. Great time to be an NFL fan. Great time. Yes, that one is for sure. Um, so, like, just in the recent, in the past week, I'll give a rundown of some topics just so that we can get an idea of what we're going to be talking about. We've got Aaron Rodgers re-signing with the Green Bay Packers. Then Denver doesn't get their guy in Aaron Rodgers, but they do get Russell Wilson, which is a crazy deal. We've got Khalil Mack being traded just this afternoon. Um, what are some other things that have happened, Oren? I mean, there's some players being released, but none of them really such big-name players. You have Landon Collins. You have all these other not huge name players that are getting released. You have the Calvin Ridley scandal. We do have the Calvin Ridley scandal, which is a very interesting topic to talk about. So just keep all those in mind. Uh, we've also just, you know, talking about the Bears in general that comes with the Khalil Mack trade, but um, analyzing what is to come for this Bears team in the NFL draft and combine coming up. So a lot, a lot to be said. Um Let's start most pressing, I think. Let's just get right into it. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack has been traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, um, so we got in return, what do we get? A second rounder and a sixth rounder. Is that correct? Yes. So tell me your initial thoughts on the trade. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go first. I always ask you to tell me stuff, especially when it's about the Bears. I'm going to go first. Casuals, as I said, casuals will say that it is not a good trade for the Bears. They'll be upset that we lost Khalil Mack. But I think that um, I'm not 100% sure what my opinion is. It'll adjust. But I think that there's definitely a justifiable reason for Ryan Poles to have done this. Khalil Mack is aging. He has been injury prone the past two years, and he was taking up a lot of money. Also, linebacker is not a super pressing need for us. We still do have Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson, the rising star, baby. Um, so even though probably a lot of analysts around the league expect us to be taking some linebacker to replace Mac, which wouldn't be that surprising. Um, again, it's, we have someone to, we have players to fill the role. Um, so looking at it that way, I see that it's justifiable that he got traded, especially because he doesn't really fit with the bears timeline either. If you're thinking that it's going to take a few more years for this team to develop. And it looks like Khalil Mack is unfortunately already on a downward trend. Yeah, to me, what's very interesting to me is I'm a 17-year-old Bears fan who only started really watching and being dedicated Bears fan around 2018. Every year before that, I was still a Bears fan, but it's you're just hard to watch those bad teams. And the three players or people that I associate in my mind with the Bears are Mitchell Trubisky, Khalil Mack, and Matt Nagy. Those are the three people that are most talked about about the bears that are the biggest symbols of the bears 
at, of my bears, not of the Chicago bears, but of the Chicago bears that I've been a fan of. And it's just so interesting to see. We are in four years. We are in such a different territory. We have none of those people associated with organization anymore. It is a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Okay. 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 But tell me about the trade. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not so upset just because Ryan Poles wants to develop the team the way he wants it to be. That's the same thing that happened, for example, when the Bears got Ryan Pace. I'm going to confuse their names. Um, they traded Brandon Marshall right away for a fifth-round pick because you want to rebuild your team the way that you want your team to look. You don't want an aging veteran who's going to take up $30 million, right? The thing is, you are only save $6 million this year. But next year, you save twenty eight which is a lot of money. The Bears have over $110 million in cap space next year. Yeah, that, that is a lot of money to have saved. Also say, you know, how do, it's, it's kind of hard just to see the price that we paid for Khalil Mack, like two first-rounders uh, and a third and, and sixth, and then getting back so little in return. But I just say, you know, that's what happens to a player that ages when you wait a few years. And also that wasn't Poles' initial decision to trade for him. He's just trading him away. I would just say, um, although it is hard to see um, such a great player like Khalil Mack get traded and not even for a first, I think that NFL fans, including myself, are bad at gauging what other teams would a- actually value players at. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a lot of the time when you, say, uh, when you see a player get traded away, there's kind of an... Um, like an uproar from fans because they don't actually realize the other implications and that a player might not actually be worth that much. So my point in this is that I trust Ryan Poles enough that this is the best possible offer he got for Khalil Mack. And um, trading away Khalil Mack at least is understandable. So since it was the best offer, it makes sense. So what's very interesting is that you look at a Von Miller contract and Von Miller trade, which I think they got either two thirds or two seconds. I'm not sure. And you say Khalil Mack is better than probably better than Von Miller. Why did they get two thirds, right? That seems ridiculous. It's because the Broncos took in all of Von Miller's money. So the Broncos still had to pay for Von Miller's thing right now for his contract. The Chargers are taking in all of Khalil Mack's contract. So the Bears, aside from dead cap, they have nothing. That's why I see a lot of teams. Well, maybe not. Like, I'm just thinking on the Chargers end, that is like a win-now decision of yeah. them, which is very interesting considering they have such a young quarterback and a lot of young players on their team, like Mike Williams, re-signing Mike Williams. Um, that is very that is a very win-now mode, which is an interesting move, to be honest. Um, I don't know how much I love it because I think that it puts them in a lot of trouble in the cap for the future, and right, it's not like this year in particular, like... They're going to have that much success, especially going against Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. I know that they'll be doing that for a while, but I don't see why now would be the year why the Chargers want to seize. Um, I think, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that trade for the Chargers. I actually disagree. I think it's a perfect time to do it. Not, I understand the AFC West is filled with talent, but the best time to build around a team is when your quarterback's on his rookie contract. Justin Herbert is going to make... That is true. That is true. At, yeah, least, yeah, yeah. at least $40 million. I think he should make 40 million or more by the time in two or three years, by this time, this Rogers contract comes out by the time everything comes out, you're going to see what the quarterback's values are. And you're going to say, Justin Herbert 
has unlimited potential. He should be making at least $40 million a year. You can't build a team around $40 million a year or $40 million a year quarterback. You look at a team like the Chiefs where they're paying Patrick Mahomes so much. They've pushed back the contract to Patrick Mahomes a bunch of years. And even that, they're kind of strapped in the salary cap. Like they push not, it back so that they're paying the majority of the money later on to rearrange yeah. it. Yeah, they've sort of rearranged the contract. And even that, I, it, to me, it seems like the Chiefs are a very good team at drafting and finding young pieces. But there are holes on that Chiefs team defensively. And they completely rebuilt their offensive line. It was great for them. They were able to build it through the draft. But they weren't able to keep their older and more expensive players. So it just kind of goes to show that if you want to build a team, the best time to build a team is around a young quarterback, which is what a bit concerns me about this Khalil Mack trade is that this trade is going a full circle. This trade symbols a rebuild. And by the time this rebuild will be over, best case scenario in two years, Justin Fields hopefully will be playing unbelievable football, will be asking for a big contract. So you can't really, it's hard to really build a full team around him while having Justin Fields getting the money. So you're saying that actually if the Bears were to be successful, the best time would be within the next few years and trading away Khalil Mack negates that. I think that there's no scenario. But I'm sure you can find an example of good teams that aren't led by just only a young quarterback. No, of course there are examples of it, but I think it's harder to do. I, I mean, look at the, to be honest, it just seems like there are some teams that have more cap space than others. Like when you look at the Rams or, or even the Chargers, it's like, how do they have that much money? Like just to go around, especially just the Rams last year. Like how could they pay all of those players? So it's not like they're particularly young. They just got Von Miller, Aaron Donald, um, Matthew Stafford, Stafford, Cooper cup. Yeah. They have, it's like crazy how they could afford to pay all those guys who weren't even like on rookie contracts. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. And I think that's a testament to their general manager, but, What's interesting is you can always push money back into like next year. The Packers have done that with Kenny Clark, with Aaron. That's why I think the cap is kind of um, overblown. It's kind of funny when you see these teams in the cap space and then all of a sudden they make a few moves, they rearrange deals and it's fine. It's a little bit like there's all these stories about, you know, the Saints being way over the cap space. They just rearrange them uh, deals and they're good to go. Um, You're right, but it's also it's not fake because it's very risky. Let the Packers, they extended, they um, restructured Aaron Jones' contract, okay? I was so happy when the Packers did that because when you... Ex- when they you did re- that this year? Yeah, yeah, they did it this year so that they saved some salary cap. When you restructure someone's contract and you push money back into the... It means you just owe them more money the next year. Yeah, but also the dead cap, I think, is bigger, which means that if they wanted to release Aaron Jones next year, they would lose $2 million. So they can't release him. They're... Once you ex- once you restructure someone's contract, you are pretty much stuck with that player. I mean, you can release them, but then you lose money. You lose money. Why is that? Like, that's how it is. Like Khalil Mack, he had a dead. He has a dead cap. Oh, because twenty four. Because you have to pay them. Because you have to pay them just whatever you restructure it to. Is the point? Yeah. So the, Khalil Mack's dead cap this year is twenty four million dollars, and his contract he's only paid thirty million. So the Bears saved six million dollars, right? But mm-hmm. if you if you restructure contracts, you're pushing more dead cap and more money into the future, which means that you're stuck with these players. So yes, while the salary cap, you can always restructure around the salary cap, it's a risky thing to do. So you could argue that the salary cap is kind of fake, but it's risky 
it's a very risky way to go around it. Yeah, okay, I got it. I got it. Thank you. Good lesson. Okay, um Russell Wilson. Uh you can go first on this one. Like, tell me tell knows, me your thoughts. Benjamin knows I've always loved the Denver Broncos. I've always said they're a quarterback away. They have their quarterback. I think that they're a really talented team. I, I this is just me being biased. I would have loved to see this team with Vic Fangio just because I love Vic Fangio. I think he's a a great defensive coordinator. Maybe yeah. he's a great coach, but oh, you're muted. I can't hear you, but I'll keep going. Um, Vic Fangio is just in was a great defensive coordinator, and it was just a very, very, very interesting that he wasn't had a great head coach. And I think that what makes a great head coach is not really how good you are at calling plays and things like that. It's things on the other's way. Back from a little technical difficulties. Now you can hear me. So that's good. Um, do you have a train of thought you wanted to continue, Oren? Or? Yeah, I was going to say this, that this is going a bit off topic, but I think what makes a good head coach is a lot less about how good they are at calling plays and a lot more at how good they are in motivating players. That's why I think a coach like Matt Eberflus. I disagree. I disagree. I think it, it matters for both of them. I think that we're, um, Oren and I were having a revelation lately on that coaches mainly don't call plays, but they still have a huge role in the play calling process. Um, I just think it, there's a lot of factors that go into play. They still have to like know when to go for it on specific downs. And, and I'm, I'm the best coaches all like have some involvement. They don't just say, okay, well, you know, you can just do what you want. Um, there's there are a lot of skills, and I don't think you can just negate the play calling aspect of it, even if the coach is not the one calling the exact plays. No, you are right, but it's leadership is such a big thing. It's very hard to find a team that is not that is. It's very hard to find a successful team that does not possess strong leadership, whether it be in the sense of the Patriots, where it isn't Bill Belichick is in a rah-rah type of guy who mm-hmm. you in like that but we're gonna be we're gonna be jumping around a little bit in this podcast but i just want to say before i forget it before i forget um yeah. sorry 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 to interrupt there yes um one thing i'm looking forward to most this year and for matt eberflus so now going back to bears coach okay i want to see a team that has purpose that has fire that has discipline that is the big thing I want to see because that would symbolize a change. Regardless of record, I want to see a team that doesn't get uh, one good play and then get backed up by like three delay of game penalties or just careless holding penalties. That was so infuriating last year how undisciplined the team looked. And that was a clear reflection on Matt Nagy and made it even clear that he should be fired. So one of the big things I'm looking for aside from record, is that this team looks happy to play under Matt Eberflus and looks very... I want to see a big step in discipline this year from the Bears. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just very, very hard to win football games when you don't have a motivated team. And if you look at what Ryan Poles and what Matt Eberflus are saying, it's pretty evident Ryan Poles kept saying he wants to get players who love football, players who want to be there, players who are going to give their all. And obviously every single general manager is going to say some variation of that, but I just, it feels refreshing to hear. But That's true. Yeah, I was going to say something about head coaches is that whether it be the Patriots where it's like you're going to work your ass off or whether it's going to be like the Rams where you see all these videos of Sean McVay being so motivating and all these things and whether it just, there's so many good coaches all around the NFL 
whether it be like Mike Tomlin, who you can tell is a strong leader, whether it be all these other good head coaches, they all have a strong leadership aspect. It's hard to find a head coach, a successful head coach whose players don't buy in. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Back to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Seahawks side, thoughts on Drew Locke. I know that you're a big supporter of Drew Locke. Now the Seahawks have him. Um, I hope that you take one side on Drew Locke because I want to support the other. But please just let me know what are your thoughts on the Seahawks now acquiring Drew Locke from the trade. Yeah, I don't think Drew Locke's very good. Ugh, terrible. I wanted you to like him. I'm still going to say my thing, though. I never, um, I never necessarily thought Drew Locke was such an unbelievable player. I just thought he possessed potential. And I thought that people weren't giving him the... Do you think you end up being the Seahawks starter? Maybe just for the sole fact that, for example, they released Bobby Wagner, that this team seems like it's blowing like the whole, everything up and they don't seem like they're going to go and try to go get some quarterback to win a bunch of games it seems like they know that they're they are in a position to draft a quarterback ninth overall this year they could even take the first quarterback off the board they could but i have a gut feeling that it seems unlikely just for the sole fact that like i said nfl teams understand that it's hard to build a team or when you get a quarterback first and then i don't know if that's really true though because you see plenty of teams taking quarterbacks first all the time i mean especially Look at the last draft, um, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying it's successful, but um, doesn't mean GMs won't do it. No, no, I understand GMs will do it, but I think players like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are a lot different than a player like um, like Matt Corral or all these other Because I think that your point is when you're not taking a superstar quarterback, you should have some other team set around him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that that's when understandable. You, when you have a can't-miss prospect, obviously you take them no matter what. But if you have the option of either upgrading your team and then drafting a quarterback in a year or two versus drafting a quarterback now, you go with the, you go with the player now and get a quarterback in a year or two. Fine, fair enough. I would just say about Drew Locke, I do not like the argument that he just needs some time to prove himself. Um, if you're putting faith into the general coaching staffs of the NFL – Look at the Josh Rosen argument. There's an argument that, you know, he was drafted high and he just never got a proper chance. He, he was benched on these teams and, and being a backup quarterback. You know, do you ever think maybe he was benched for a reason? Maybe he was just really unimpressive and not a good quarterback? I'm not trying to come down so hard on Drew Locke, but I'm just saying it should be a very red flag that he was benched for Teddy Bridgewater, who was quite mediocre um, that season after only one after after a few games, you know, people could spin it and be like, Drew Locke is so raw, he just needs more development. But looking at this Broncos coaching staff, I trust them enough that they just didn't think Drew Locke had it. That's why, and I think that the Seahawks would also agree. They're not thinking, wow, look at this, we're trading away Russell Wilson and getting some great uh, guy. They're saying, okay, we are starting a rebuild. Um, we have some quarterback that we could work with, but really he was just another supplemental piece in mainly getting picks. To set up for the future. Um, yeah, I agree. I think they just added in because they wanted a quarterback. Because it's, I, I also think a lot of teams are following off of the Rams model of last year. The Rams put all of the chips on the table, and it worked out for them in the end. They won the Super Bowl. 
Now, looking at the Broncos, they've got a very similar situation going on. Trading for this old quarterback, giving up a lot. Except the difference is the Broncos also gave up good players, even good pass catchers like Noah Fant and uh, Shelby Harris. Whereas the Rams just gave up all of their future in picks. So that's what concerns me a bit about this Broncos trade. I do not doubt Russell Wilson's talent. Um, I'm going to be honest. like I'm sure he's going to have a great season. It's all overblown. It's The media is going to be all over it about, is he even that good? Trust me, Russell Wilson will have a good season, but I just don't know if he has that elite supporting cast around him like Matt Stafford did in still does in Los Angeles to bring them all the way to a Super Bowl, especially considering they gave up Noah Fant and Shelby Harris. I think, it's, thoughts? Really, I think it's very interesting how... All NFL fans think they can like be general managers and they have their own for- formula by like seeing teams. Look at the two Super Bowl teams. You have the Rams who built through free agency and trade, and you have the the um the Bengals who built through the draft, whose best players are drafted recently. Right, but I it could be a fair argument that the Bengals are an anomaly because I think, they, let's be real, they were an anomaly. I think it's just Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. Um, and for now, you shouldn't derive any points as a general manager about how to do something how to go about doing something um if you're the Bengals, in my opinion right now the Bengals all let me make this clear all love for the Bengals. i love the Bengals. i love what they had going on um but they're a team that caught fire at the perfect time they were led by an elite quarterback but that supporting cast is not the way to handle things if, if i put it that way it's just it's i don't think it's going to be sustainable next season um, they paid a running back. <laughs> they paid Joe Mixon, which is terrible for any argument I have. They're just a team that caught fire, and um, they're an anomaly. Um, no, I agree with that statement, but you also look last year. You have the Buccaneers and you have the Chiefs. The Buccaneers are a team that was mostly built through for, through the draft, and then you have a player like oh, really? Tom Brady. You're going to say the Buccaneers were mostly built through the draft. I think the Buccaneers were a large They were just a well-assembled team. They were done... It was just good on all fronts. I mean, they had great acquisitions. They got Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Nadama Kung Su, among other players. And they had great drafts. They had plenty of young guys on the defensive end and uh, Tristan Wirfs. It was just well done all around. I don't, I don't, because like signing Tom Brady is obviously the key, uh, like signing of that offseason. So you can't say they're a team built around the draft. I think they were a team built around the draft with Tom Brady placed in there. I think but they that's were, such a that's such a monumental signing that you can't just I, act like I, it was just a pure draft at, team. You want a team built around the draft is a Bengals team built around the draft is more at, the Chiefs than the I Bucks. Say, yeah, I was about to say the Chiefs. Also, I'm saying you could look the at Chiefs both were more built around the draft than the Bucks because yeah, that's just I'm obvious. That, I'm <laughs> they also like oh, sorry, go on. I was saying that being a general manager is. It's kind of stupid unless one trade is lopsided or not. Like one strategy versus another is not necessarily the right or wrong strategy. It's about what you do with those picks or what you do with those players, right? Like the Rams, it was great that they traded for all of these players, but there are plenty of examples of NFL in NFL history. Of- yeah, it just takes elite. It just takes eliteness on all levels. I think that the Rams pulled something off that, I mean, to win any championship, it's crazy to pull off, but, um. I think you can you can look at some other examples of just some general manager got not lucky per se, but 
they they cashed out on a great quarterback. They cashed out on a few players, but they didn't have a perfect or even just Nick Foles went crazy. Like you're not going to credit the Super Bowl winning Eagles to that general manager. You know, it's just like there, there are a lot of Super Bowl wins where one player um, just carries for a team and you're not going to attribute all of that to the general manager. I give um, Sean McVay is a general manager. Yeah, no, he's the coach. But I, th- yeah, I know that. But I thought it no, was like a, uh, I thought it was like a Bill only, Belichick that's like thing. Only Bill Belichick. Okay, never mind. And uh, Bill O'Brien. Anyway, not John McVay. Anyway, um, Rams general let's, manager. Let's I give see. so much credit because I truly believe that this was a win that took just every part of that team, every part of that coaching staff, um, contributed to the win. They brought in so much talent, but it would have only functioned with Sean McVay leading it yeah i agree and they were a very well-built team i'm just saying that there's so many different ways to go that i can truly see you trading away all of your young players for picks all your old players for picks rebuilding that way and it being successful i could see you trading away your picks for veteran players and winning now and i can i think there's so many ways to be successful in the nfl there's not one proven method I think that's what's interesting about the NFL is that yeah, the NFL yeah. is just such a gorgeous, complex game. That's what annoys people about it when they watch it, confuses people even. But there's just so much complexity to it. There's really nothing like it. I mean, of course, every sport is unique, but eleven guys in every just, I don't know every single it's such a random sport. Like every single player, is such a specific role. Like, how are an offensive lineman and a kicker and a quarterback and a running back exactly there's nothing like it i mean look at basketball point guard couldn't uh, a center could play a point guard way way better than you know half of the than than a quarterback could be an offensive lineman or an offensive lineman could be a quarterback you know like the biggest disparity is like putting a a point guard at center and they could they could put they could score points yeah, you could put like Ben Simmons at center and then like play for a just, bit. I don't know. It's just crazy league. Yeah. It's All just, right. Um, jumping around. Nice. NFC. You knew it was coming up. NFC. What a shame. I know that the Packers are weak, but you cannot, you know, we wanted to rest easy as fans. I was actually so excited for the Jordan Love era. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to lie. As a Bears fan and as an NFL fan. I won't even lie. As an NF and as an NFL fan, I was excited for the Jordan Love era. You know why? Because I don't care if Aaron Rodgers wins another MVP this year. I don't. It like like not just not just out of hatred for the Packers as a Bears fan. Out of like it doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? It would just be like cool. If that makes sense. Like, yes, Aaron Rodgers is gonna Aaron Rodgers. Basically, it just feels good when some new talent comes in. And I was ready to see what Jordan Love had because it was a win-win for me, or I guess a win and a partial win. Honestly, either Packers are bad, or Jordan Love comes out and he's a cool new player. But my point is, at this point, you know what you're getting from Aaron Rodgers, and that's just you know not not as fun. I know this is a very stupid argument, but if Aaron Rodgers wins MVP and doesn't win the Super Bowl, it'll just make me happy because it once again shows how Aaron Rodgers chokes in the playoffs and how the Packers have wasted 17 years of one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. How much? There's so many, so many storylines everywhere. Everywhere. 95% of them are fake. 95% of them are made up. 
How much do you buy into the Aaron Rodgers choking thing? That it's truly his fault. I, I, that's just that's a hard question because there's like you look twenty fourteen. There, there are some storylines that I do just absolutely throw out the window right now, like Russell Wilson being not fit to play. Not 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 fit to play, but being out of his prime or something like that, he'll be fine. Like Lamar Jackson being a choker, who, mind you, is the same age as Joe Burrow, okay? Just give him, like, maybe this year, and trust me, he will be good. Plenty of other sto- uh, NFL narratives that I could think of at some point. A lot of them are fake, but this Aaron Rodgers choking one. I think, it has, think. Some, I think it has some truth to it. I think Aaron Rodgers underperforms in the playoffs. I think him choking is a bit of an exaggeration, but he underperforms in the playoffs. Luck hasn't been on his side. The Packers haven't built the correct roster around him to perfectly complement him when he falls. Yeah, down. what is up with them not drafting wide receivers? That's got it. Like, and now you now, don't, you don't know. Here's a question. Here's always a question: Is it that Aaron Rodgers doesn't need wide receivers because look at the success he's had with only Devonte Adams, or is it this is ridiculous? He's He's had a he's had this great success with only one good receiver. Imagine what he could do with two or three. That's always a question, you know. It's like how much would those extra receivers help him? I think it's the second. The thought is if is if he can be an NFL quarterback. But I'm sure the GM is thinking if he can be an NFL quarterback, put up these numbers. What's the point in getting more receivers when we can address other aspects of the team? But I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe maybe this year they finally draft a receiver. Who knows? First round, they say clearly something's not working. Well, I mean, even though he's one MVP, we got to help our guy this year. We're going to do it. We're going to finally draft a receiver. I don't know. I do not know. I don't know what to do if you're the Packers, honestly. What, like, what, what do you try to do? Do you try to rebuild that defense that's lost some key guys? Or are you saying, screw this. I'm done with trying to build everything aside from Aaron Rodgers. Let's just address this actual weapons issue and get him a receiver. What are you thinking? The thing is, you can't really resign Tanya and you can't really resign Marcus Valdez Gambling. I don't really know how much you can do with Alan Lazard. You probably the gonna... thing is, none of those are that. Aside from like the chemistry, none of them have actual talent. It's just that they've played with Rodgers enough. Uh, I shouldn't say not actual talent, but you understand my point. I think uh, that you could find guys with those similar skill set in the draft, but it's just that they might not have the same chemistry with Rodgers from playing with him for several years. Which is very important, of course, because uh, Orin, you're on mute, by the way. It's very important because guys like Jordy Nelson have been not superbly talented, but they've just developed such chemistry with Rodgers and also like Robert Tanyan that he gets it working. So that is just going to be the question, uh, major question for this offseason. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear what they're going to do, all these interesting aspects about their defense. How much? What's interesting about Rodgers' contract is it came out with a number, but Aaron Rodgers tweeted that's not the number, which... Is such a the most Aaron Rodgers? I thought it was Pat McAfee. Aaron Rodgers also tweeted it. Aaron Rodgers tweeted it out, and it's that is the single most Aaron Rodgers thing to do because he tweeted out right when Russell Wilson got traded, and when everyone stopped talking about Aaron Rodgers, he tweeted that out. Wow! Like wow! Aaron, so what what do you think that means? That it's going to be more or less? I think it's going to be he made it seem less. I think it's going to be less, but very slightly less. He just wants to seem like a good person and he's going to take four or five million dollars less than so you do buy into the into the diva narrative at least yeah 100 drama queen every everything Very he does interesting. Is like that. why he 
He said he was going to tell the Packers about his decision before free agency, and he waited a week before free agency. He knew what he was going to decide. It's not such a – I get it. I, I don't know about that. How I do you know that? I mean, it's, it's a hard decision, man. I, I, you cannot say that. I, you, cannot, you cannot say he knew what he was going to decide. I just think just that, put yourself in his shoes for a little bit and tell me you know what you would decide. I think if tell I, me you know what you would decide. If you gave me two weeks, I could 100% decide. Okay. Okay. Nothing, nothing changed in those two months. <laughs> I I don't know. That's that's a little that's a little far. You can't you can't just immediately call him, whatever. I I don't know about that one. That is I, a hard decision. Whatever. I, I I get it's a hard decision, but like, come on! Every single thing he does is doing it for attention. He's waiting as long as he can. Every single thing, the things he posts on his Instagram of him with a photo with Devonte Adams and Randall Cobb without him. And all these things, he knows what he's doing. He went to thank all of his teammates. Why would he post that on social media? His, his argument was that it was like an appreciation thing for his teammates and like how it was so nice. What yeah, that was, yeah, why would he do that? That why was just dumb. Just tell his teammates that he appreciates them. Why does he need to post it on social media for the whole world to see? He knows exactly what he's doing too. That's like, that was just dumb. That, you're right about that. Like, you obviously know what that looks like, so there's no hiding from that. And he went on the Pat McAfee show, and he knew he wasn't going to make his decision, but he still went on, and he still, like, made it a big deal. And he, like, it's just – he's a look, constantly looking for attention, and he's he's never going to be satisfied with the Packers. There's always going to be rumors. He's never going to be 100% because he always wants a drama. I guess that's just who he is, but – the good thing is he's a choker. Like, seriously. He's a choker. I don't know whose fault it is. Is it the Packers' fault? Is it, is it his fault? But winning one Super Bowl in 17 years with that generational talent, that is pathetic, honestly. Like, I get I get it's coming from a Bears fan who they haven't won a Super Bowl in 40 years, 30 years. I think it's almost been 45, 35 years. It's been a long time. It has, in fact, been... It's almost been 40 years. But I I get you maybe you could say like er, since then like Erlacher and then like 06 Bears team. But I mean, it's so different between having a quarterback and having like a middle linebacker. The fact that they haven't won a Super Bowl is I don't think that they're necessarily better at drafting quarterbacks. I think that they've just gotten lucky and they haven't capitalized on this luck. Jordan Love was a horrible pick. What do you think was the worst pick, Trubisky or Love? You already asked me this. It's a hard thing to think. Are there more windows or are in there what? In can can you define what you mean by a bad pick? A more detrimental, bad pick. Just just bad more pick. Detri- detrimental pick to the. That is so tough. Wow. That is so you know why? Because I actually support Jordan Love. Clearly I support Jordan Love. Packers but also the Packers don't support Jordan Love. Why is that? Because they've openly said that they want Aaron Rodgers back and trying every single thing to do to get him back and are signing a 39-year-old to a four-year deal. If they had faith. So you're in- saying that they think he's bad? Yeah, obviously. It's not a very logical thing to sign a 39-year-old. I get it's Aaron Rodgers, 
But when you're 39 years old, you could drop off any point, literally any year you can drop off and they would be paying him $50 million a year. Yeah. So I guess they just don't think he's that good. Clearly they're so desperate to keep Aaron Rodgers back. That says something about Jordan Love. What if, honestly, this could be, this could be justified if they win like a Super Bowl this year and they say, okay, we're scrapping Jordan Love. We don't like you. And they just draft a quarterback. They could be so much more justified in that in if they win a Super Bowl. Somehow I just feel like he would look a lot better, you know? Yeah, because they seem like they know what they're doing. Yeah. All right, enough Packers talk. What Unless do you got something else. Calvin Ridley. Wow. All right. Um, I-, I sympathize with the man. I do. I do. I really do. You're not going to hear this on any of the major sporting networks because they're probably condemned. They're not allowed to talk about it. Maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> I sympathize with the man. I, you know, I think he's being honest. He had some stuff going on. Uh, you know, I support him, and I know you're not allowed to bet. But if if I trust his story, and I do understand things could be spun, so maybe we're not hearing all of it. But from what it sounds like, at least he was just bored. You know. Yeah. And and I know it's the wrong thing, but and he should have known not to do it. But like, you see these arguments. It's like. Adrian Peterson, people got people who actually did things that were like detrimental to real people, like abuse and yeah, it's abuse. <laughs> people who abused women or their children were suspended for eight games, and a guy who bet on his own was, team I, I to agree. win games. It was le- less than eight games. Eight games is generous. Yeah, eight, eight games is generous, and a guy who bet on his team to win games while he was just sitting out, um, going through some stuff is out the whole season. I understand the NFL wants to have a hard crackdown policy on betting. Um, I, I I, can't... I guess I, I, I just understand both sides, to be honest. I, I understand they have to... They need a hard betting policy, especially now when betting is at such a rise. There's a lot of danger to allowing players to bet. And Calvin really should have known better. Um, he should have been prepared for that. But it just sucks, especially because he was... Uh, this young talent and his, his career is or not even young. That's also the thing. He's like 27, not as young as he seems. He had one great year. He had a lot of potential, and he's not going to be back for a long time. Um, I feel. Oh, bad. also credit to the Falcons. Well, maybe that would have been maybe not as much credit, but just did you hear about what happened with the Falcons and the Eagles? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Eagles had a deal close to worked out with the Falcons, and then the Falcons pulled out. Uh, it, it was for Calvin Ridley. The Falcons pulled out near the end. Eagles never got an explanation. They're confused. It turns out because, you know, a month ago, the Falcons had some tip likely on the Calvin Ridley situation and they wanted to see uh, what would happen of it before they traded him away. Um, you could think that that would, you know, at first I thought, wow, that was just really nice of them to just not like go dirty. And then I also thought it would probably just put them in uh, murky water if because then it would come out that they knew about it and that's not good. So, you know. Um. Yeah, I feel bad for Calvin Ridley because what he did was so small and not a big deal. But it's such a – I'm taking out the – But you can't also call – like I understand how it could end up being a huge deal because, of course, bet it could ruin the integrity of the game if bets are done uh, for a bad reason. And also, to be honest, it could come out that there was a lot more to this betting than we know of. Just because Calvin Ridley is claiming that he only bet a certain amount and it was on his own team doesn't mean that there could be more uncovered. Um regarding more serious infractions. Yeah, and I think it's just very um, 
interesting because you just can't condone that stuff. Like it's just such a, it's just a, the potential of that happening is just so horrible, especially taking out Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice should have been punished more hundred percent, but taking that out, if you look straight up at what happened with, um, with Calvin Ridley, I think the punishment was justified just because you can't, if you punish someone for four games, you got to set a precedent. That's just what it is. I understand. You have to set a precedent that it is so unacceptable that even that amount is you spend it for a year that it is. You can't even play around with that stuff. So while I, like I said, I don't think that with the NF, the way that NFL handled those other situations was good. I think the way the NFL handled this only looking at this case the way the NFL handled this was good because it maintains the integrity of the game. Without it, there could be so many. And also like the NFL, the NFL is one big league. It's not one team doesn't talk to the other team. Who's to say that Calvin Ridley didn't have, didn't know things about the other team. The Falcons were playing the bears. Who's to say that Calvin Ridley and his brother were talking and his brother said, yeah, exactly. There are a lot of kind of implications of that. There are a lot of a lot of things that even if the scenario looks fine, there are a lot of ways which it could be bad, and it's just not the right thing to do. Exactly. All right. What what else has happened? Free agency is coming up very soon. The combine happened. There were some fast fast four yard dashes. You had a player, Jordan Davis. You had was it four eight two? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, because he's 300 plus pounds. You know what I was thinking? This is a very O line centered draft. I was looking at a lot of mock drafts. You've got guys going. It's not only O line, it's very defensive line oriented. Oh, it's also yeah, it's just a cool draft. It was a little bit refreshing because it's not, you don't know the players who are going to end up. I was saying this to you a little earlier. You don't know what teams are going to end up taking quarterbacks. In a lot of the earlier drafts, you had these incredible quarterback prospects. So it was pretty clear that whatever team was coming up who needed a quarterback was going to take them. This year, you've got a lot of teams who are iffy on their quarterback situation. For example, the Steelers, the Washington Commanders, now, of course, the Seattle Seahawks, and plenty of other teams where you could see it going either way. They either go for the talent or pick uh, a quarterback from this not great class. So it's just these guys, Matt Corral, uh, I'm blanking, but anyway, yeah, wait. Kenny Pickett, yeah. Um, who's the, who's the number one guy? I mean, it's there's not really a consensus number one, but I mean, it's just a it's a there, good. There's time. this other guy. Anyway, the point is, um, they're all gonna they're gonna get taken by some teams. It's just gonna be very interesting who ends up budding. Yeah, um, it's a good time for the Bears. They found their quarterback, Justin Fields. What what I read is that people think Justin Fields would have went number two to the Lions this year in this draft. Wow. But I mean, he came out. He came out the other year. So, oh yeah, are the Lions gonna take a quarterback? No, it would be way too much of a stretch. I guess they could trade down, but who's who's to say? I think that this draft is very good for the Bears because they that what they need is there. They need a wide receiver. There are a bunch of wide receivers. There's a guy named Christian Watson. He's like a six five. He ran a four three one four like two nine. He's six foot five. He ran a four two nine. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like they're just these, like it's crazy how 
insane these wide receivers are. You look at the, uh, their great offensive linemen. The Bears traded to get a second-round pick, and it's a bit nice to know that they're going to at least be able to take a, this take advantage of this draft because every it feels like every single need they have can be addressed in this draft. It's true. Like the one need the Bears usually have is quarterback. And this is the one time where it feels like the Bears finally have their quarterback that they don't need to worry about this this draft. I'm not going to speak into the future. Who knows what's going to happen? But is when there is a bad quarterback draft. The last time... Sorry, was, I'm just doing a little bit of research now. Last Wait, time Gallup? Was, what happened to Michael Gallup? How is that? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at some random NFL mock draft. They had Michael Gallup going eight to the Bears. He got he was drafted in the third round. That's what, was this was this one person just really stupid? Yeah, probably. Eight. How is that? And just looking up some random mock draft, but how does that happen? I don't know how they had that. That is weird. Maybe it was after the draft, like in retrospect. Oh. No, I don't I don't think so. Um wait, wait, let me look. Ah, post no post twenty eighteen scouting combine. I don't know. I don't whatever, whatever. I should stop looking at this. This is dumb. Too much other cool stuff going on. Yeah. We'll get into predictions later, I guess, in a in a different podcast. Yeah. Um, the NFL is exciting. Free agency is gonna be very interesting. You have players like Teron Armstead. You have players like Von Miller, who could stay or go. Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, like DJ Chark, Brandon Sheriff. You have a bunch of pretty big-name free agents that could really go wherever. And it's going to be fun. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun time. I'll give you that. Okay. That should do it for the podcast. Peace. Bear down. Bear down, baby. Goodbye.